All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Craig F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, today's date is July 29, 2019. Today we're reading from the Big Book, uh, and we're on page 44, uh, and we're reading the first paragraph of the chapter, We Agnostics. Today's readers are... Uh, for the uh, 12 steps, we have Nancy T, 12 Traditions, Kathy S, uh, Readers of the Big Book, Melissa C, uh, Jason K, Cindy D, and the newcomer greeters, Renee, and the hostess for the second hour is Leslie M. Um, the reference number for yesterday's uh, uh, meeting, yesterday's special edition, is 13,209 209. Um, okay, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, and we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Nancy T. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Craig. Good morning, everybody. Nancy T. Recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would adjure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, I'm now going to ask the, uh, Kathy S. to read the Twelve Traditions. Hi, good morning, Russ. Thank you. The 12 traditions are, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group 
purpose, there's one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a strong desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group may never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less money of less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be self-supporting and declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous shall remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what, hap we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 44, the very first paragraph in the chapter, We Agnostics. I'm now uh, going to ask Melissa C. to get us started. Melissa? Hey, good morning, Craig. Thank you for your service. Melissa C. Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in New York, We Agnostics. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if, when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And um, I'm just going to set my timer. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, so this um, 
chat, this this paragraph says um, we've got to make a distinction, right? And they're they're like gonna they're asking you to reflect on the other chapters, um, which really made clear that there's a distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. And so the alcoholic um, can't stop when he wants to, you know. And um, and yeah, that was me when I reached a point where I really, really wanted to more than anything else in the world, I couldn't stop. And the other piece is has little control over the amount that he takes. And so um, that's also my experience, that once I start eating certain things, I have no ability to control it, you know. And so... Um, if the alcoholic can't stay away and can't moderate, um, that means that they're powerless, right? And and so um, non-alcoholics can stop and they can moderate. And, you know, so, like, why do we need um, to distinguish the difference? Like, why is it so important? Um, you know, and... Um, because there is a remedy, and this remedy is specifically for people who are alcoholic, you know, who are the real compulsive overeater. And does it mean that this remedy isn't good or might not help other people? It certainly might. But um, for me, there is no other solution. You know, I have no other options the only option available for me is a spiritual experience. And, you know, um, and the good news is that it doesn't say a spiritual belief, you know, a spiritual understanding, a spiritual background, or even a spiritual love, you know, um, but an experience. And for someone like me, that was like, oh, good because um, I didn't have a great belief, you know, um, and I didn't have a great understanding, and I I had a background I didn't really love, you know, in my spiritual life, and that was okay, because I need, what I need is an experience, which means I need to do things, you know. Um, what is an experience is its actions, its events, its occurrences, and, you know, so I meet lots of people who seem very nervous, myself included, when they see the word spirit. And, like, if you're powerless like I was, there was no other option. And I'm quickly going to, you know, end saying that I could not understand or make sense or love the effects that the disease had on me. And um, and so the same thing, I could chase after this spiritual experience for which I had no understanding um, and no love yet, because I needed it. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. All right. Thank you, Melissa, for getting us started. Okay. So who would like to share on this? Carlin G. Lisa Ida A. Kathy something, and then Ida. S. S. Like in Sam. Kathy S. and Ida A. All right. Christine Kelly. Christine Kelly. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. All right. um, Irene. Irene? Yes, Irene B, please. 
Irene. Okay. Eileen or Irene? I-R-E-N-E. Irene. Oh, Irene. Okay. All right. I have Harlan, Lisa, Kathy, uh, Ida, Christine, and Irene. Let's go with that uh, lineup. Harlan, you go. Get it started, Harlan. You're not unmuted. Okay, sorry about that. Hi, thanks, Craig. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to myself there. Uh, Craig, thank you for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at the title of the chapter, We Agnostics. What is an agnostic? Because for the first three chapters and for the doctor's opinion, we have been talking about step one. So let's take a look now as we turn the corner. And now we're going to talk about step two. And this is the only chapter that is (coughs) excuse me, completely dedicated to step two. What is an agnostic? Ag means without. Gnostic means knowledge. And a lot of people, including me, confuse agnostic with atheist. An atheist is someone who is sure that there is no God, no deity, no higher power like that, no religious deity. That's what they're sure there is not. A believer believes that there is one, and an agnostic is someone who doesn't have enough knowledge yet. They believe that they believe that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or nature of God or anything beyond material phenomena. A person who claims neither faith nor disbelief in God. Now let's take a look at the first paragraph, and it says, in the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. What have we learned of alcoholism? What are they talking about? We're talking about the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind. We hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. Someone who's a heavy eater, who comes in here, They don't need a spiritual awakening. They need a food plan. They need a diet. Maybe they need an exercise plan, but they are not compulsive overeaters. It says here, if you honestly want, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, and that means because of the mental twist, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take because of the physical allergy, you are probably alcoholic, probably my foot. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. I am told on the preceding page, page 43, it says here, Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. There is no way that anything of this earth is going to give me relief from this disease. I am biologically predisposed to eating myself to death. That is what I'm biologically predisposed to do. Only a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. I've never had a spiritual experience that's sudden and profound. A spiritual awakening is slow. Only a spiritual awakening will give me relief, and my relief is contingent upon my spiritual 
growth, my spiritual condition. That's what it's dependent upon, and that's what I need to remember. There's nothing else that's going to give me respite, and with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Lisa B., you're up. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A. I wanted to talk about that word suffering, the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship, and then when it talks about you may be suffering. So I want to do a shout-out once again for hearing recovered voices, recovered compulsive overeaters on this line. When I met my um, my guide, my big book guide, through this, this phone meeting, this OA meeting, and I've never met her in person, but we've certainly met over the phone many times, and she took me through this work, and it was through hearing her experience, strength, and hope that I began to identify in, and through studying this book, seeing clearly for myself, and I had to see for myself, you know, am I a hard eater? I wanted to just be a hard eater. I wanted to be a normal person. I don't want to be different and separate from others. I wanted to just be a hard eater, but I knew that I had this malady inside of me that was restless, irritable, and discontent from the time, honestly, I feel like from the time I was born, a state of undergoing pain. And it's interesting, another word for alcohol, you know, or spirits, it's spirits. And I, I sought a spiritual effect through alcohol. And I sought a spiritual effect through food, through either restricting, um, managing, controlling, trying to diet, trying to be underweight, trying to get away with eating massive, massive quantities of food and not get an effect of the fat, you know. And I've just lived with that my whole life, but I didn't show an outward effect. But through meeting someone that has been recovered, in this illness, from this illness, through studying this book and applying the spiritual principles of the steps and then um, trying to teach that to me through studying this book. Now I'm recovered, but I had to come to that understanding for myself. And I love the opposite meaning of suffering. It means happy, happy. You know, and another word for happy would be good spirits. I am in good spirits today. I have an effect from the steps and I'm taught in the doctor's opinion that I seek an effect. That's why I compulsively ate. That's why I also drank and I now get an effect through the steps. And um, you know what? You can Google, you can do a search on the website of a vision for you under special editions for abstinence and you'll hear all under a greater understanding of what entire abstinence means. And then you can also listen to a podcast called what is a real compulsive overeater and doing those things really really helped me determine for myself so with that i pass thank you all right thank you very much lisa kathy s you're up hi good morning russ this is um kathy um this is craig Oh, I'm sorry, Craig. Uh, no God, problem. I apologize. You guys sound the same to me. I'm a compulsive overeater from Maryland. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, why I need a spiritual experience. And the, if we take the word spiritual, we come down to the word spirit, and the spirit is who I am. Well, me as an addict, my spirit really stinks. Because my spirit thinks that my reaction to life is to eat over it, whether it's happy, glad, joy, sad, whatever. 
all roads re, uh, head straight to the food. And I need to learn and need a new spirit that teaches me that, to feel the emotions of life, to understand the emotions of life, a higher power who directs me to understand and learn how to behave in a whole new way that is totally foreign to me and I don't understand. And is it easy? No, it's not easy. But being reacting and feeling my emotions and having God, my God as my side and whoever your higher power is to help you navigate this, that is what the essence of recovery is. That is what takes who I currently am and removes me from directing all thoughts to food to all thoughts to living, enjoying, and, and doing what I should be doing in life rather than hide, hiding in the food. And with that, I pass. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Kathy. Okay. Uh, and it's all right you call me Russ, but I didn't want Russ to get his feelings hurt. So. Uh, Ida A., your turn. Thanks. Hey, good morning, Craig. I um, I am so thankful you're here this morning, Craig, and I really look forward to listening to your voice, and I recognize your voice. Ida here, grateful compulsive overeater from northern British Columbia, so grateful to be in a food program, so grateful to be abstinent, super grateful to be starting Chapter 4, We Agnostics. I did not understand that the bulk of my life I probably have been more agnostic, as Harlan says, uh, without knowledge. I didn't realize I've been without knowledge or accurate knowledge for the bulk of my life about a lot of things. So who am I today? I am the true alcoholic. I am the true compulsive over-under eater. And I could not quit entirely. I had little control over the amount of food I took in, if, if it were my alcoholic foods. This is who I am. This is who I will always be. My disease will sometimes try to tell me, you know, Ida, you really aren't a compulsive overeater. But countless vain attempts for 50 plus years have proven who I am is a compulsive overeater. I have this illness. And the only remedy is leaning into this spiritual program every single day. So I have to stop doubting the power of God. My ideas don't work. The God idea does. And self-sufficiency, real, it, you know, I just, it doesn't do it. It does not solve my problems. Everything to do with the spiritual realm does. And so what I've been leaning into um, is, is, is program, sponsor, step, after the food is down, and um and my life has changed, and I have so many stressors going on, and I just have, I've just had to let go of all the renos of the deaths coming up. I just have to let go and just be where my feet are planted. I'm also leaning into a quote that says, remember any talk of God that does not comfort you is a lie. Remember any talk of God that does not comfort you is a lie. I have, um, I'm still working on changing the, my view of the creator as being a love and kind creator, and uh, it's mine to fix, but I have all of you to help me, so thank you for being here. Thank you for loving me until I can fully love myself. It's never been about the food. It's always been about the connection and the love. Blessings to all. I pass. 
Thank you, Ida. Okay, Christine Kelly, you're up next. Hi, this is Christine Kay in Des Moines. Thanks for leading me. So, um, I'm on 31 days of abstinence, and I'm very grateful to everybody on this line. Um, listening to the meeting and learning about, you know, alcoholism or my food addiction is really helping me. And I've been in food recovery for over 10 years, but you know, I just kind of listened to, yep, I'm a compulsive eater, and I'm going to do whatever you say. And so that put me on a string of, you know, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight. And I really didn't get what a compulsive eater was until, you know, I started listening to this vision meeting. And also, you know, somebody told me to go listen to the podcast, just Google abstinence and figure out you know, which podcast those are. And um, those really helped me understand what the difference was between the normal eater or the overeater versus the compulsive eater. And, you know, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, um, you know, started to click for me and, you know, really helped me understand that, you know, this is a spiritual program and food is, is, is not the answer, it's God. And I'm really grateful for that because it's starting to, you know, that spiritual awakening just over time and learning that over and over again, going back to the food and being reminded, you know, to read the doctor's opinion and read more about alcoholism has really helped it sink in. And, you know, identifying my alcoholic foods and staying away from those alcoholic foods but also those alcoholic food behaviors that I had, you know, eating late at night, sitting in front of the TV, on my way home from work, wanting to stop and get something. When I was angry or frustrated, um, wanting to grab something, that was my immediate thought. And I didn't see that, you know, until I started realizing through coming to vision and learning what a compulsive eater, the definition um, was, that those things started coming to my mind. And... I'm just really grateful today that I have, you know, almost 30 days, well, over 30 days of abstinence today. And it's just, it's a miracle. So I couldn't have done it without listening to these meetings, talking to you guys on the line. When I call, you guys pick up or you call me back. And I'm really grateful for people that have shared. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Christine. Uh, next up is Irene V. Irene? Good morning, Craig, and thank you for your service. I am Irene B., a recovered bulimic from Louisiana, very gratefully recovered, so thankful to God. And uh, the subject of this paragraph is, is uh, right on, thankful to God, because that's what where my recovery comes from. And um, I want to say that... It's easy to say that we have to have a spiritual experience and that um, that God is our source. But for me, the issue, I knew that intellectually, but I did not know how to carry it out. 
And what I have found is that a vision for you is my heavy. I am so thankful to Vision and to all who serve and make this meeting possible and for all the recovery that teaches me how to go about getting my recovery. And um, I just wanted to share that I sought God. I, I am a Christian. I studied the Bible. I did so much trying to get that spiritual connection to God. And the moment I stopped praying, that's when God was out of the picture. And I just did not know how to engage God. And through the 12 steps and working with others and by listening to these meetings, I re-engaged with God because that's what we talk about. And then I remember, and it's beautiful. But what has helped me the most is um, people say, okay, God, you know, they talk to God on an ongoing basis with uh, internally, you know, with their own self-talk, they incorporate God in their own self-talk and say, okay, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat? What do you think I should do about this, God? Or like I did, you know, I made a decision about something, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I talked to him, and I said, God, I made a decision to do this, and I think that this is what you would want me to do, but I never asked you about it. So I want to know what you think, but unless you give me some sign that this is not the way to go, I'm going to assume that you're with me on this decision. And that was miraculous for me because for me, the only way I can stay sober, abstinent, at peace is to stay connected to my source of love and peace and serenity, and that is God. But uh, life taught me to be completely self-reliant. I had, from the time I was six years old, I had me to depend on. So I just didn't know how to break away from that habit of being completely self-reliant and being my own God. And I knew it all, and I had all the answers because my no reminder. Thank you so much. Um, I will pass with that. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Irene. Okay. I'll remind everybody that we're on page 44. We're starting the chapter, We Agnostics. We've read the first paragraph uh, of that chapter. So who else would like to share? Kathy Kay. All right, Kathy. Becca R. Becca R. Sandy S. Sandy S. Yes. Okay. Amanda. Fran M. I got Amanda and Fran. M. M. How about one more? Anita B. Anita B. Okay. All right. Let's go with that lineup. Kathy K., you're up first. Thank you, Craig, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, recovered in Boston. And, um, boy, this, these paragraphs just remind me how far I've come on my own journey. I've been in program for close to 25 years, and the first 10 years I did not really look at the big book at all, and um, I had no interest in 
spirituality. I was a confirmed agnostic and had been so uh, all my life. Um, And, uh, you know, I just think it was um, my deep sense of powerlessness which had me gradually becoming more open and more willing to consider this idea of a higher power. Um, And uh, for the next 10 years, the second 10 years, I tried acting as if, and uh, I said the prayers that I was taught, and I also read this book. Um, But I didn't work the steps. It was not until I started working the steps and really going within and examining all my beliefs um, and being willing to consider that perhaps there was something I didn't know that I could learn um, from considering what's in this chapter. And I must say, uh, I'm just so grateful that I developed the willingness because today I do have a spiritual practice and I do have a conception of a higher power that works for me. Um, and it, it's been a long road, but, you know, it can, I continue to grow and develop and through my conversations with fellows learn more and more um, about what it means uh, to have a spiritual connection with a higher power. Very, very grateful. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you, Kathy. Next, we have Becca R. Becca? Hey, it's Becca R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Kentucky. And I'm grateful to be on the line this morning and get to share. I love this chapter, and I love um, that I was able to receive and be open to look at it with new eyes when I went through the steps this time in um, my abstinence. I had a relationship with God and I had a spiritual practice, but it was not sufficient. <laughs> and when I asked my sponsor to you know, guide me and help take me through the big book, and um, I, I wasn't, I don't even know if I call myself a relapser because I had never really attained entire abstinence. Um, it was more of just uh, ignorance I just and, and willingness. I wasn't willing to do the work yet. But when I got to a point when I was ready and she said, you know, you need to, and she didn't say you need to. She said, um, you know, here's what I did. Here's, how, here's what, if you want what I have, you can do what I did. And here's what I did. And she shared with me the process of setting aside her old beliefs. And that was so important for me to hear as someone who had a God in her life that was working in so many other areas. Um, However, it was just this little food thing. Like I couldn't stop throwing up and I I couldn't stop dieting and weighing and measuring and not weighing and measuring, but weighing and um, all this compulsivity. And I became willing and each step, each activity, each process that we went through, um, we said that set-aside prayer. And it was just 
so grounding for me to know. Like, I'm going to set aside everything I think I know about this program, about this relationship with a higher power, about um, everything. And what I found is that God came into my life just like the spiritual experience in the back of the book. It wasn't um, lightning, but it was so subtle. And before I knew it, God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And at first that was just being able to abstain from these foods that were causing me so much trouble. Once I got a little abstinence, I was starting to have these God moments of when I would see, oh my gosh, I was so nervous about this, this, and this, and God took care of me. And um, today as a recovered woman, it's still like that. It's, you know, setting aside everything I think I know about myself, my program, my spiritual relationship about God, and and seeing God in my everyday um, life. And it's so amazing what this program has done for me. And I'm so grateful, just so grateful for that set-aside prayer and that I was able to become teachable again. And I hope I can become teachable each day. And with that, I pass. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Becca. Okay, Sandy, your turn. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'm very grateful for the vision group and meeting and all the service that people do. You know, I think it's such an abstract thing to me. What is experiencing God in my life? I mean, and that to me is the essence of it. Um, Being open each day to God's power. And I really struggle with a higher power uh, that's caring and protective even though I've made a list of all the evidence that God is caring and protective in my life, I can't force myself to have faith and belief. If I could, I would. But what I can do is be open each day to the miracle, to the evidence of God being in my life. And the first evidence for me is my long-term abstinence, continuous, total, entire, just the day I became a compulsive overeater, it happened in a moment. It was pretty amazing when I was a teenager till the moment I experienced recovery. I mean, this is my story. It's different from everyone else's. I was actually struck abstinent by a spiritual experience. And it's up to me every day to open up to God's presence in a very concrete way for me. And for me, that today is like I have a little problem. I'm starting a new career, and I just don't know what the next step is. And all I need to do is ask God, and that's it. I'm a very concrete person. I like to make the abstract very real. And with that, I pass. All right. Thanks, Sandy. Uh, Amanda, your turn. Good morning. This is Amanda S. from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And um, I just wanted to share that I have, I in the past really, a recovered compulsive overeater, um, I had really struggled with we agnostics, um, even just from the title of the chapter. Um, I was raised in a particular religious faith. I went to religious school from kindergarten through college. And 
um, I really did not identify with even the title of the chapter. Like I couldn't get past we agnostics. I just did not identify. I, I couldn't say I was agnostic. Um, and then I did a um, big book workshop study um, and had a teacher teach on we agnostics and really asked us to look at the title of the chapter as being we who are prejudiced or we who think we know best. And suddenly I could very much identify uh, with the title of the chapter because I did think I knew best. Um, I thought I knew best with everything that I was doing in my life, including my relationship with God. Um, and I really was not open to learning and listening from others and others' experiences. And so just me viewing the, the title of this chapter in a different way where I could identify, um, and I will echo what was said about the, the set-aside prayer or the lay-aside prayer, um, I had to, every time I studied this chapter and the other chapters, I had to start my work by asking um, God to help me set aside everything I think I knew, I knew about it because I thought I knew best. Um, and so uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Amanda. Fran M., your turn. Hi, this is Fran M. in New Jersey. And, um, yeah, I I love the whole big book. I read it in one night when I first came into program and was amazed. Um, but I I sort of, over the 40 years I've been in program, with many, many friends who have not 10 years or 15 years of abstinence, but 20 and 30 and 40, the big book is a, you know, it has a spirit. It has a spirit, and I don't always take everything literally. I'm not a big God person. I feel somehow maybe just the era in which I grew up and my own background, the religious people were not always the best people, and yet they felt they had religion backing them, so they were forceful but not so good always. And I don't even know what the truth is. But what I do know about this book, which was written in a particular time by a particular type of person, it's sort of like the constitution of our country. It's the spirit of the document, not necessarily literally. Um, I mean, even religious books like the Bible, I mean, they talk about things like slavery as if it were okay. And we know that the spirit of that book is it's not okay so we don't do everything literally. And for me, I can get as far as knowing that there is something in my brain that makes me an addict that leads me to wrong choices. That's as far as I can get. And I am perfectly happy with the concept of a higher power. And my higher power is goodness. It's not a religious term like God. Um, I don't like talking about God as a man. Um, I don't like even personifying God. Um, but I know when I first came in, higher power was the group, and it was the other people who seemed to be living a better life and were abstinent and had were not acting out on this ridiculous disease one day at a time. And then it expanded from there to just be this uh, source of goodness that I can get in touch with sometimes when I meditate and sit quietly. Um, I experienced some freedom in the last few days of not doing my will 
with with the food and with a lot of other things and all i can say is the benefits were unbelievable and even though i don't believe in god i use the phrase god um i don't like thinking of god as a man for all i know god could be some kind of transsexual i don't care but goodness i experienced that so long as i as much there's a line in the big book bill wilson says you know to the extent that we match the extent that we rely on god we can match calamity with serenity and i really believe that for me the god word is just replaced by goodness and truth and all the best things in the universe and i don't really know what they are but i know how to go in the direction of them generally as long as i remember that i don't always know even if i think i know so the set aside prayer has to be a constant in my life too because you can be sure you're on the side of god or goodness or whatever and be doing the wrong thing and i hope to always be humble to know that so just to share if there are any beyond agnostic and atheists out there i think the program still works i think every single line of that big book is true and can be interpreted in many different ways and arrive at the same truth so thanks for letting me share all right Sam. thanks uh next up is anita b anita Good morning. I need to be from New Jersey, uh, recovering one day at a time, and that's what I have to think about today, just for today. And to copycat from other people, is it otter, is it God? Um, You know, and I've always believed in no coincidences, right, before I even had this spiritual experience. So, you know, we would always say it growing up, you know, it's it's no, no coincidences. And and that's before this spiritual program came into my life. So I've always had that um, faith, you know, with no coincidences. But yet I forget that I'm not the higher power here. You know, no human aid. There's no human defense against it. You know, all of us who share and help me so much, still we need this hope and this this higher power that is more powerful than anything else. And uh, the coincidence that isn't this morning or is God is that last night uh, I've been struggling a little, so I'm back on step one, but now with step two... I was just reading through it last night, and isn't it funny that this morning, this is the first paragraph in this. I think we've lost you, Anita. Did you get muted? Anita? I'm sorry about that. Am I back? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. So anyway, um, I knew this morning that God is working in my life, that um, it wasn't any human will that made today happen for me. So I'm just grateful today. I'm grateful to hear all the shares. I'm grateful that everyone's here today on this line um, because there's so much about the human that I don't know. And when I hear everybody share, I can relate to so much of that in myself. And it helps me because I'd never be able to do it alone. So um, with God and you guys, I'm able to do this. So thanks for letting me share today. 
All right. Thanks, Anita. Now we have about uh, uh, seven more minutes or so, so we can get two or three more shares in. Who would like to? This is Larry. Share? Judy. Jason K. Judy. Oh, hold on. I had Larry and uh, I think Julie M. And I heard Jason K. All right. I doubt if we'll get to you, Erica, but I'll put you on the list. All right. Okay, Larry, go ahead. Thanks, Craig. Just I'm so excited about this uh, this paragraph. So I wanted to end this chapter. Really, you know, I've met um, I've met religious people. I've met Jews and Christians and Muslims and you name the religion. I've met them that have come into program. I've also met many wonderful, lovely um, atheists and agnostics and whatever words we could describe people of all different belief systems and so forth. What I've seen many of them not recover. I've seen many of them recover. Where do the words lead us? We do need access with this, this spiritual program, this one. You don't have to follow anyone, but this one is a spiritual program that gives us access to some power. I, this is above my pay grade. I don't know what the power is. I have no clue. But I do know where the words lead me. And they lead, here's the actions that gave me access to this power, whatever word you want to call it. This is what has given me access that has been sustainable, miraculously sustainable. The words have led me to take these following actions, complete deflation, dependence on God, or whatever word you don't cringe, something that's not you, a power that's greater than you, dependence on that power. A moral inventory where I do an archaeological dig and root out the facts and face them. Confession. If that word makes you cringe, talking to someone else about what you found. Restitution for harms done. Going out there and making restitution. And continued work with others in need. So that we can be, you know, we can serve, be of service and self-sacrifice to others. That is where the words in this book lead us to. I agree with what people say, Fran and others. Absolutely, it's mysterious. I don't know, but I somehow, if I'm under a delusion today, my brain has been washed as a result of my association with you guys. I like how it's been washed. I treat people better. I have not found it necessary to compulsively overeat. I work these steps to the best of my imperfect ability. And now I have an, a sustainable, effective transformation where I rely upon this power, whatever word you call it. I'm grateful. Thanks, Craig. With that, I pass. All right. Thanks, Larry. Julie M., I think I heard. Julie? Hi, this is Julie M., recovered in Colorado. And what this paragraph tells me when I read it today is that this is not my fault. I used to stand in front of the mirror and look at myself and call myself every horrendous word that I had in my vernacular. I tore myself down. I was filled with self-loathing. I didn't know why I couldn't stop. And so when this says, if, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, that's the twist of the mind, or if when drinking or for me binging, you have little control over the amount you take, which is the allergy of the body, you are probably alcoholic. It doesn't say you are probably st 
stupid or this or that or the horrendous things I used to tell myself. It says that if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness. Oh my gosh, that is such a relief for me to know. I'm not a horrendous whatever I used to call myself. I'm sick. I have an illness. And so it's not my fault. It's not because I am weak and I have a lack of willpower and all these things that others used to tell me. It's which only a spiritual experience will conquer. When I, I can remember many, many years ago, reading a book by some famous, you know, therapist or whatever, saying that everybody came into the, his office, wanted the same thing. They wanted to be happy. And what he found in thousands of sessions, the people that are happy have some kind of spirituality. When I read that, I thought, I am screwed because I never was raised with any kind of religion. I was raised with the opposite, willpower, you know, people are sheep that follow. And so for me, what this book has done for me is I have a connection to source. It's not religious. I'm not affiliated with any religion, but I have found peace. I've found serenity in my life. Life hasn't changed. It's still very difficult, but how I deal with it, how I react to it, is very different. There's love, there's compassion, and I have now a connection to source. And not because it came easily for me in this program. It was very difficult. I, I raged against it for a long time. But because I thought and I followed the instructions in this book, and I read these, these words, and I take them very literally and very seriously, and I spend a lot of time trying to figure out what does this mean for me, and in the long run, it means seek connection to God. I used to not even be able to say that word. And now I say it with pride and love. And today I'm not binging my brains out. And I am, I'm in a place of peace and serenity. And thank you so much for this meeting. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, Jason, you're up. And we've got a very short amount of time, like a minute. So. All right, Jason Kay, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic, not known for being succinct necessarily, but I'll give it my best shot. The big book here is uh, setting us up for something, and it's reviewing what it discussed. And I love how it succinctly starts, tries to summar up the, summarize the first step. It sums it up. It says, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. Or when you start drinking, eating compulsively, you have little control over the amount you take. You're probably alcoholic. And these two are... Two are two key questions and what you can do with those questions is you can look at them, um, lay these questions up against your own experience. Look at your history. Um, ask yourself, uh, could you quit? Could you quit entirely? For me, that was always an elusive thing. I always was looking for that. I was always seeking the motivation, trying to figure it out. Where is that motivation? And some days would be there and some days would not. And then when I started eating certain foods, certain foods, I couldn't tell you when I was going to stop. Uh, maybe it was when I was throwing up, disgusted, but I'll tell you one thing. I never uh, started eating those foods and then stopped after one serving and said, that's perfect. That's just enough. I've had enough. I'm satiated. We don't have that experience. And so the book is setting us up to say, if this is our experience, we might have placed ourselves beyond human aid and our, our human willpower is insufficient. We can't get the job done. So where do we turn? Where do we turn? And that's what this chapter is about. And uh, with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Jason. And you'll be the last share for today. Sorry, Erica, if you stay tuned, perhaps you can share in the second hour. Um, so thanks to everyone who shared. Uh, please join us for a second re unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today is 13,210-13210, and today's date is July 29th. Um, we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will, uh, Jason Kay, uh, please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. Jason Kay, recovered from Boston Theater and Bleemick outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.